Macworld Podcast number 269 for Wednesday, November 2nd, 2011. Again, friends, it's the Macworld Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Michaels. And, you know, with all the talk of iOS 5 and iPhone 4S, it, it's sometimes easy to forget that Apple actually makes computers, too. Um, Apple would like to remind you that it did last week. It quietly introduced an update to its MacBook Pro lineup. We've got the systems. We've tested the systems. We've reviewed the systems. And I have here the two gentlemen who oversaw that project, and they can tell you all about the new MacBook Pros. We have Lab Director James Galbraith. Hello. And we have Senior Editor Roman Loyola. Howdy. And in addition to talking about um, the MacBook Pro, we are also going to talk about the tests that we ran on them, include our new Speedmark 7, which we introduced, I believe, back in September, if I'm not mistaken. As soon as we could, as after yes. Lion came out. And we'll talk more about that later on in the podcast. But first, MacBook Pros. Gentlemen, um, what's new with the MacBook Pro for those of us who, who either overlooked the news or have forgotten about the news or uh, uh, don't follow the ins and outs of laptop changes? Um, well, everything across the board, all five models, 213 inches, 215 inches, and 117, the same as the previous generation. Um, prices stayed the same, but everything got new processors. Everything got bumped up. 0.1 gigahertz to 0.2 gigahertz. Um, pretty subtle. Mm-hmm. And these are changes from the models that were introduced earlier this year, I should, I, to put it in context. Right. We have okay. the early 2011 and the late 2011. Now, were processor changes the only changes in the MacBook Pro, or were there, there other um, thing changes to um, to components as well, such as uh, storage and graphics. He he said, asking a leading question that he knew the answer Ah. to. The 13-inch models got uh, uh, larger storage capacity, more storage capacity, uh, kept the same graphics. Uh, The 15-inch models and 17-inch models kept the same storage capacity as the early 2011 models, but they uh, got updated graphics. Okay. And uh, what were the graphics changes specifically? They uh, they were pretty modest in uh, as far as the two point uh, as far as the higher end fifteen and the seventeen those went up to a sixty seven seventy from a sixty seven fifty not sure what those uh, that twenty uh, difference in the numbers really means not much in terms of performance it turned out um, but the uh, the low-end 15-inch went from having pretty underpowered graphics or a little bit closer to the 13-inch previously to having the same graphics the early 2011 higher-end models did, if you can follow that. And we should probably make the distinction that the 13-inch has integrated graphics only. Right. And then the 15 and 17-inch have both discrete, integrated graphics and, discrete. and integrated. So, okay. And it switches back and forth. Right. Without um, your, you wow. don't. You don't you, there's no way of really telling what's going on. Yeah. If it doesn't think it needs to use the higher power discrete graphics, then it'll try and save battery life and power by going with the uh, integrated. But otherwise, it's the it's the same uh, uh, MacBook as before, up to and including the Thunderbolt port that was introduced. Um, 
Right. So right. with the early 2011 MacBooks, they introduced it was the first Macs that came out with the Thunderbolt port, and this also has the Thunderbolt port. Um, there still hasn't been a great deal of development in terms of development uh, Thunderbolt peripherals. I mean, that's a whole other podcast. But it's there, and you know, it's you can take advantage of it if you happen to have a a, a Thunderbolt peripheral to mm-hmm. connect to it, like the like the display, for example. Right, like okay. the display. Let's see, has a let's see, has a few. There's of course the right. um, Prom- promise, promise. Yes. Right. yes, the promise raid, the Pegasus yeah. R four right. and R six. Right. Okay, so in reviewing these uh, these MacBook Pro models, it seems like the. Um, the benchmarks will really tell the tale, and I guess that that raises the question: What tale did they tell? Uh, depends on the model. Okay, uh, let's let's start off with the 13-inch models. Then. Okay, uh, the low-end entry-level 1199 13-inch MacBook Pro. That's uh, ele- that's uh, uh, 1,199 dollars for those of you scoring along at home. <laughs> <laughs> that's a 2.4 gigahertz core i5. Mm-hmm. That's a uh, dual core. It is a dual core. And uh, it's replacing the 2.3. And it scored, as you can tell, that's a pretty minor little update there. They've got the same graphics. So we only saw a 4% uh, difference in overall performance when we used our Speedmark test suite. And again, we're comparing that to the 2011 um, earlier models. The earlier right. 2011 mm-hmm. models. Did we run any tests comparing it to, say, the, the generation before that? Um, we have those numbers are up on uh, Roman looks like he's yes, got I think access I have it to right them. here. Mm-hmm. It's um, thirteen. That was the mid. I'm sorry. Oh, you guys continue to talk. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right. I'm looking at a big giant we, chart. We have giant. We have charts and graphs <laughs> in the podcast studio right now, listeners, and right. and it is, it is mind boggling. And uh, we have to get out slide rules to do conversion. So so you you mentioned the um, the the performance of the the low end model continued. Yeah, that was that's just four percent faster. It's mm-hmm. got the same graphics. Uh, it's got you know again just a slightly faster processor and bigger. Uh, bigger hard drive which doesn't really come into play as far as performance goes in this case mm-hmm. uh the 14 1499 model right the step up the 2.8 was about nine percent faster than the system it replaces okay and now in looking at the review that we posted at macworld.com one of the the things that i found slightly interesting is that the the newer models didn't do as well in the Photoshop and Aperture tests that we run. Uh, I- am I correct in remembering that, Jim? You are. Mm-hmm. And it's kind. Of, it's a bit of a head-scratcher. There's a couple of things that could be happening. Um, it could have something to do with the hard drive. Um, they are different hard drives, so just because it's got greater capacity doesn't mean that it's going to be able to read and write and may have a different size cache. It could be a few different things there. It's also possible, and something that we would run into in the MacBook Air quite a bit, is that uh, the MacBook Pro is constantly checking itself to make sure it's not overheating and that everything is going okay. And if it thinks that the temperature might be spiking, it will slow down automatically without asking you uh, the processor speeds to kind of crank that uh, the thermal issues down, make sure that it doesn't overheat. And it, and it seems like a, a graphically intensive program like Photoshop or, or Aperture might be might be something that would trigger that. Yes, I mean the the fans do come on, and you know they're not 
the, the systems are pretty thin. There's not a lot of room in there for, for big fans like uh, uh, we see in some of the PCs that, you know, mm-hmm. these huge crates. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, so they, they think that uh, it's better, a better idea to kind of slow down performance than to uh, put the uh, internal components at risk by overheating. Uh, do we have those 2010 numbers yeah. ready? Yeah, so okay. in mid-2010, the 13-inch MacBook Pro was a Core 2 Duo, and the entry level was 2.4 gigahertz. Mm-hmm. And that had a Speedmark score of 108, mm-hmm. compared to a Speedmark score of the entry level 13-inch of 146. That's so that's pretty new. significant. Right. So, well, if you upgraded to the, the MacBook Pros, and we, we might be getting ahead of ourselves here, if you upgraded to the MacBook Pros right. earlier this year, maybe these these latest models, the 13-inch certainly may not uh, – uh, do anything to make you regret that purchase, but if you are using older generations, you're going to see more noticeable improvements. Right, it's especially if you have a Core 2 Duo-based machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, going a little bit further with that, the 15 inches, which we're going to talk well, about in a second, mm-hmm. those are those are quad cores, whereas the 2010 were just dual cores. So. I'm asking the questions here, Galbraith. Oh, right. <laughs> so let's, let's get to those 15-inch uh, uh, test results, uh, which uh, one would think would be particularly interesting given uh, some of the graphical changes we've talked about in addition to the, the processor improvements. Yes, we did see the, the, the biggest performance improvement we saw in the, across the five new systems was in the uh, entry-level 15-inch, the $1,799 model. Um, it gets the, uh, the faster graphics, the same graphics that were in the uh, early 2011 17-inch and higher-end 15. Um, in fact, our scores on those are identical to the uh, the low-end 15-inch uh, graphic scores are identical to the older higher-end 15-inch and 17-inch. So it was 12% faster, and um, some of the other systems were more like 4% faster. So it is appreciable, and... Um, uh, but it mostly is uh, attributable to the uh, improved graphics. Okay. How, how uh, did the new machines handle the graphically intensive stuff like, say, gaming? Are these uh, good gaming machines? Well, the there wasn't a big difference um, in the higher-end 15 and in the 17-inch models. Mm-hmm. But in this lower-end model, yeah, we saw that uh, Portal 2 was able to display 160 frames per second with uh, with the new chip, the, the 6750 graphics. Um, whereas previously, with uh, the 6490 in the early 2011 model, it was only able to do about 68.6 frames. So, 90 frames per second improvement there, which is pretty pretty big mm-hmm. um also faster was uh cinebench's open gl test which was 85 percent faster in the new system than it was in the 1799 system of from february or whatever so given given all these numbers that we we've thrown out there let's let's try and put that in context and and we touched on this earlier who who should be interested in this new generation of of MacBook Pros, um, obviously, I think we're discounting uh, folks who, again, upgraded earlier this year or or bought the new systems. Then um, they shouldn't be um, uh, kicking themselves for for jumping on those those early Thunderbolt models, should they? Yeah, I mean, if you bought one earlier this year, there's there's no buyer, buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm. You're, you're doing all right. Um, 
if you have, like I said earlier, if you have a core to duo based machine, these are machines. These new ones are definitely ones you should consider. If you bought maybe a Core i five from twenty ten, then there's a little bit of, you know, you could do it. It's you'll get a benefit out of it, but. You know, your machine's not even two years old, really. Do, mm-hmm. Is that something you want to give up already? Sure. So th- there's a little more um, debate that you'll have to make about your money then. Um, but definitely if you have, I would say, a machine that was older than two years old, that's, that's, you'll, you'll see a great, a great deal of benefit from upgrading to these new MacBook Pros. Even with the even with the 2010 models that were still dual-core as opposed to quad-core, right. Um, there's a pretty big performance boost. That was a, that was a the the early 2011s were really good systems, and they made a pretty big jump. But yes, I mean if you're not using those all four processors or eight virtual cores uh, with the hyper threading that these uh, the Core i5s and Core i7s um, allow you to use, then yeah, probably not. If you're surfing the web and shooting off emails, then probably not going to see much of a difference yeah 2011 saw the introduction of the sandy bridge processors so anything you know before that that's that's, you're you're talking about different generation of processors for 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 the benefit of those of us who don't have our uh our our get to know your intel code names uh guide handy what what's the significant thing about sandy bridge uh sandy bridge oh i just went blank jim do you remember this uh think it it was all on one chip, right? There was a right, was, right, and so that you've got you didn't have to go off to, to off the chip to go get more memory and uh, to access right. Memory. All the components right. are are right. right there, exactly. Okay, now now I'm remembering. Yes, as are we all. <laughs> um, and we, we we should also point out that these that there hasn't been any price change with the uh, MacBook Pro models that that uh, Apple introduced last week. Correct. Right. So. One could one could make the argument that you you've got the improved um, improved specifications at the the same price before, which uh, I would say would be a better value. Sure. If you were if you were on the fence before about maybe I should make the jump to a new MacBook Pro, this obviously uh, mm-hmm. makes that argument to to do it. Do we have any? Um, and here we're. we're Purely diving into the realm of speculation and away from from hard numbers. Any thoughts as to why Apple came out with this um, this uh, uh, I, uh, MacBook Pro? I almost said iPhone. <laughs> iPhone on the brain. <laughs> this MacBook Pro update um, um, so soon after the the earlier one in 2011. Is this entirely driven by let's uh, goose some holiday sales? Let's give people incentive to upgrade before the end of the year. It's probably that. And it's probably maybe. In total speculation, I would suspect maybe the cost of the processors came down on the. I mean, they're own. They're just a little bit faster, but maybe the cost of that came down. The so availability to, of right. older mm-hmm. components may, you know, maybe it's right. harder. Maybe less expensive to put a five hundred, you know, than right. three twenty. So a confluence of uh, events and Apple, and we reap the benefits of right. Apple. They pass the buck on to us. <laughs> As the Apple spokesman said to me, it was the right thing to do for our users. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. Um, let me throw out another um, oddball question there, and this sort of relates to. Um, the MacBook Airs that Apple introduced earlier this year. I'm looking for a portable. Which one should I consider? Should I consider the MacBook Air or should I consider these um, these new MacBook Pros? Which What criteria should I be considering when making that buying decision? 
That the 13 inch is kind of bl- a blurry line for me. I mean, it's it's yeah. hard to the say. 13 inch MacBook uh, Pro Pro versus mm-hmm. an Air mm-hmm. 13 yeah. inch Air. I mean, it's. I think it's sort of an oversimplification, but when people ask me that question, I often say that the MacBook you can consider the MacBook Pro as like a desktop replacement machine, whereas the MacBook Air is truly a portable machine. So if you're going to travel a lot. Uh, and you're not because gonna, it's so darn light. Because it's so darn light, mm-hmm. and you're not really going to connect a lot of peripherals to it. Uh, that's the machine to get. But with Thunderbolt it, now, you can. That's true. Once that's they come true. Out. <laughs> Thunderbolt makes the uh, MacBook Air much more uh, durable, not durable, but uh, flexible. Not flexible because it's not. You can't bend it. <laughs> I haven't but, tried that. Listeners. Versatile. Yeah. Versatile. Last word. A versatile machine. Yeah. Listeners. Please do not try and bend your MacBook Air as you listen to this podcast. But um, we, we, we absolve ourselves yes. of our responsibility right. if you try. All right. So um, all these numbers that we've been uh, throwing out there with the testing, these are Speedmark 7 numbers. Um, we, uh, we have a testing suite called Speedmark. We, we, uh, we uh, update it every so often. And, and perhaps, Jim, you could tell us more about Speedmark and why we update it and um, what kind of tests we pick and why. Sure. So Speedmark 7 uh, coincides with uh, OS 10.7. Um, we had uh, we had ten six for snow, for Snow Leopard, and we had ten five for Leopard, and um, we generally do a major update to Speedmark when there's a major update to the operating system. Uh, we want to make sure that everything's running correctly and at its best. There's lots of new features that come out with the new OSs, so that's why we we go through all this work of uh, re vamping and starting from scratch with a lot of these application-based tests that we do. Speedmark 7 has 16 different tests that we run. We try and pick uh, tests that most Mac users can kind of identify with. Not a, not, you know, none of them, it's not something that everyone's going to do. Not everyone's going to be running Mathematica, but um, it gives us a good view of something that, you know, looks like I would hope that anybody could look at the results and see something there that, you know, kind of translates into what they, they use. So. It's an attempt to do a real-world test, uh, certainly things that'll that'll put the processor and, and graphics to the test, but but not uh, something that, that would only be uh, uh, replicable in ideal conditions, right. if I may put words into your mouth. We use a lot of the, the built-in, you know, the iLife apps, mm-hmm. as well as a lot of the pro apps like, uh, like Photoshop and Cinebench and uh, uh, Mathematica. So let's talk about some of the specific changes that were made with Speedmark 7. Uh, were any new tests introduced and, uh, and why did we, we pick those particular ones and, and what got the heave-ho and why, why were they thrown out? The, for, for, ten, for Speedmark 7, the biggest changes were really um, – in file size, uh, some of the tests were getting a little too fast, especially with some of the SSDs that are in some of the systems. A lot of the disk-intensive uh, tests that we were running were just finishing too soon. So we wanted we we picked we boosted the uh, size of some of those files. We uh, tried to increase the length of some of the tests, and so uh, most of it is uh, is an update of you know file sizes and application versions. Um, sometimes we have to change tests because they no longer work with new hardware. Uh, we had a we had a 
situation with the uh, Cinebench once that uh, when the MacBook when the Mac Pros came out with eight cores, 16 virtual cores, uh, it just killed the application every time you tried to run it. So that was a case where we needed to update something in order to run Speedmark at all. Mm-hmm. And we added a Portal 2 test. Yes, I was going to say, yeah. we, we seem to change the game a lot. As, yeah. as gaming, there always seems to be pushing the envelope right. of, of, of what the basic demands are. And of We course, used to use Call of Duty 4, mm-hmm. but that became kind of long in the tooth, and so we switched over to Portal Portal 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get the record the frame rate of Portal 2. Yeah. It's hard to keep up with those games and yeah. those gamers. We also do but when we're when we're testing graphics we'll often do if we're specifically looking at graphics performance we'll sometimes do a sub, another test set suite of tests with with a bunch of other games if that's what we're specifically testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have done in the past a, a sure a, they're not necessarily part of Speedmark but you readers have probably seen our blog post where we do more testing with with other games and other things that are graphic intensive. Right, Speedmark is meant to be able to run on all shipping Macs and all. And you know, going back to two thousand eight, you know, Lion won't work on anything except a, you know Core Two Duo and and higher. Right, so that was kind of our cutoff for this. But uh, we have fifty two actually with these uh, with these systems, uh, the new MacBook Pros. We have 57 systems tested with Speedmark 7, so hopefully you can uh, find a result that uh, for a system that resembles the one that you're using. And uh, what what is the base system again that this is all being compared to? It is a Mac Mini, a 2010 Mac Mini with uh, I have it written down. Core 2 Duo, 2.4 gigahertz. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Any? Wh- why is that the base system? Is that just is that by design or just by well we did it part of the reason that it's the space system this time is that um, readers we, we don't test hundreds of systems with uh, Speedmark 7 but mm-hmm. you know we did 50 um, by using the same base system um, people who have older systems you know that may not even run uh, Lion can kind of go back and still get an idea of how you know if they could find a Speedmark 6.5 result and be able to kind of figure out about how much faster this one is but uh, we usually pick kind of a lower end system uh, as the not necessarily the slowest but we usually just try and pick kind of a sweet spot for the 100 system and i think that mac mini actually in particular we picked it because it's also it was very similar to the macbook with the 2.4 gigahertz core 2 duo so it was kind of like having two baselines almost because that has the same speed mark score. It ended up with a score of 100. Right. So, right. Mm-hmm. so it was kind of a way to have two baselines at the same time. One for, you know, one that was laptop specific, one that was desktop specific. So with 57 systems tested, what is the fastest Mac currently available or the, the fastest Mac uh, under Speedmark 7? Uh, the fastest shipping system uh, that we uh, that we tested was a 21.5 inch iMac with Core i7 quad core processors, 2.8 gigahertz. It was a built to order model. I was going to jump that, in and uh, say this was a built to order, right? Right. Okay. Um, and that got a score of 244. Um, the slowest system was a 2.8 gigahertz same processor speed but 2.8 gigahertz macbook air from 2008 and that just had a score of 59 Mm -hmm. 
that took a long time to test. <laughs> I hope that's the last time I test. So, so if you have that model readers and you're and you're you're going to upgrade to Lion or have upgraded to Lion, we we do hope that you'll you'll consider maybe buying some new hardware. Yeah, the uh, I mean that's the two forty four is pretty fast, but uh, what's kind of impressive is the. Uh, the 15-inch MacBook Pro we just finished reviewing got a 219. That's very close, mm-hmm. you know, compared. And that's actually way. faster than the 21-and-a-half-inch Core i5 2.5 gigahertz uh, iMac that's out right now. And much easier to carry. Much. <laughs> yes, it's much easier to carry. So. I think um, that would be all that we have to uh, to talk about today. Well. I'd oh, like to add something. Wait, Jim, Jim, Jim has something more to say. Jim. As Roman was saying, you know, we do run other tests, and we're always looking to improve and to update our test. Wouldn't necessarily go into Speedmark 7, but if you have suggestions for tests you'd like to see run by the Macworld Lab, please send them our way. Sure. You can do that in the, um, in the uh, comments section of the show notes, where we'll also include links to, uh, to our Speedmark 7 introductory article, as well as to the MacBook Pro reviews that we posted this week. Um, and yeah, we we always welcome uh, ideas for testing, especially as we enter a period when it seems unlikely that Apple is going to have new hardware between now and say the end of the year. This would be the perfect time to do those tests that uh, that you've always wondered about. Sure. Well, uh, I'd like to thank both of my guests today, James Galbraith and Roman Loyola, for stopping by to discuss all things Mac hardware. And I'd like to thank you, listeners. I was waiting for them to say you're welcome, Phil, but no, they've, they've moved on to other things. <laughs> I'd like to thank you, listeners, for uh, joining us as well. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Macworld Podcast. Until then, take care.